Hi, I'm Naomi Castro, and this is The Castro Pod. This season, I talk with college presidents and nonprofit leaders who are getting it done. I want to learn how they do it. Do what? It. The thing. The thing that moves the needle. Just claim that million-dollar prize. They should write the check now because Compton is going to get it. I've known Dr. Curry since back in the day before he was president, and he has accomplished some really impressive things. Like, did you know he lost over 100 pounds? But even more impressive, he and this amazing team of folks brought Compton College back to being an accredited college. So what kind of leader is he? Listen in and find out. So I am here at Compton College. It's a beautiful June day, nice and cool in California. Um, and Compton College has just begun as of June 7th, correct? Correct. June 7th is its own independent college once again. And I'm here with uh, President Curry, Dr. Keith Curry. Um, and we're going to talk and learn some stuff. And I also, full disclosure, I teach at Compton. On, on Saturdays in my free time. <laughs> we don't have that. We don't have that much free time in this business. Right? <laughs> this is true. I think a true. lot of times um, we, I think we stay engaged in a lot of things in community college because uh, we love it so much. Right. And in education. So when you talk about this, is your free time, I think you do it because it's part of your love and your passion and it keeps you engaged with what the students are doing. And that's why I teach at Cal State Fullerton, right? I teach at Cal State Fullerton to students who individuals who are in the community college system or want to be in the community college system and want to be an administrator, a senior level administrator in the community college system. And I teach to that because in that program because I feel like that's a way for me giving back. Even though I know I have no time, no patience, but I know how when I get into that room for the my Thursday night class, how important it is for me to be there. And even some of my stories I'm able to share with the students, which I think they're not a big deal. But to some people, they're like, wow, that happened. Right. Because you don't hear about um, you don't hear about real life stories as community college administrators. And a lot of times you hear you're reading about theory. Uh, as um, when you're in your doctor program, but the practical piece of it, because sometimes you, you're making decisions that you need to you need to talk to someone who's been through it before. So then you know you, you can read in a book about what to do and how to make decisions. However, in certain situations, you need to talk to someone who's been through it, who can say, "Look, this is what happened with me." However, if I could do it differently, I would do it this way. And that will give you a lot more insight. That will give students insight. So that's why I do it, teaching that program. And and has somebody, do you have folks that you can call on yourself? Yeah, I, I had a, you know, when I started out in this business um, as a dean, uh, I was, began building relationships. And when I became a CEO, I started building more relationships. And so I have some retired uh, community college presidents who I can call. I have some current community college presidents who I can call as well for insight. Because, you know, we're colleagues, right? So now I'm able to call my colleagues for assistance and insight of things that they're, that I might be, that I'm dealing with that they might have some history in. And so uh, I have a lot of conversations now with my colleagues about housing, food insecurity, uh, guided pathways, and the implementation of guided pathways, uh, strong workforce. But we're starting to have more conversations because there's a lot that's going on in our colleges. And there's a lot that's been asked of us by the state legislators and then also by the chancellor's office that, you know, sometimes you need to talk to some people to see, okay, how are you doing at your campus and get some insight. And that's helpful for me. So when I first started out, is more so looking at retirees. Now I'm calling more of my colleagues. Yeah, because things are changing, right? So some of our retired colleagues might not have 
experience in what we're going through. They they might have experience in what it's correct, but they but they have experience with how to the key with it for me is that they they've been through a lot with regards to participatory governance. Um, and just trying to move the needle, so you can get asked those type of questions, like how are you able to, to to move change and manage the change? And now with with what's going on, it's kind of good to have conversations with our my colleagues about how are you implementing guided pathways. What's your thoughts on strong workforce, long term, and workforce development? How do you organize your campus around all these initiatives when you just try and make sure students register for classes? Yeah. Right. So it's it's some very good, interesting conversations, but also you're able to build relationships with your college, with your college president colleagues, because now you're having more conversation instead of saying hi. You're saying you have a conversation, getting to know more about their campus, but also getting to know more about them as leaders. Yeah, that's so helpful. So you've talked a little bit about your journey just now, but you so you weren't always a college president. You no, were born that I, way. No, I, no, I wasn't. You know, my background starts in uh educational outreach and recruitment of students. And I started out working uh, out of grad, out of uh, undergrad at UC Irvine for the Center for Educational Partnerships, working with the Early Academic Outreach Program, helping students from Compton go to college. And so that was my introduction to this community, right? Um, and so I started out as an outreach person and I understand outreach, right? But I knew outreach wasn't a career, right? Student services is a career, but outreach is a, is a part of a job, but it's one of the best jobs you can have right out of college because, you know, you're able to, you meet a lot of people, uh, in, in outreach and some of the high school counselors and principals in Compton, I've known them for almost 20 years because of my first job. Right. And so if they need something. They still have my same cell phone number that I had when I worked in outreach. And so it was a great introduction to um, this community and also into education. And but I would tell you that when um, so I started in outreach and I moved to I came to Compton College in 2005 as the dean of student services and then became the CEO in 2011 and the president CEO in 2017. So my journey has been uh, to the position has been uh, some people say, yo, you became a president pretty quickly. Uh, and I was like, no, maybe. However, uh, I work 60 to 65 hours a week. Um, and there's been there's a lot of long days and there's a lot of decisions that be made um, every day. And so and you have to understand the, the, the bigger picture uh, before you make those decisions. Because, you know, you, some decisions you think are very simple, but they're not, right? You have to unpack a lot and you have to really think through some of these decisions. And I think college presidents, some college presidents have gotten in trouble when they, they don't unpack some of their decisions, right? So, for example, one of the things I've been struggling with over the last um, two years is how do you organize yourself around all these statewide initiatives? Because there's so much that you have to do. And uh, everyone talks about guided pathways as the the, the as the, the the movement, and it is the movement. It is a part of it. But I've been so focused on a completion by design model from the Gates Foundation, and really just trying to organize our campus around the student experience, which is a different conversation, right? So I would challenge people regards to as college presidents, how do you organize your institution to ensure that you meet the needs of the students as relates to their experience, right? And really start to look at your organization of your campus, not look at the initiatives, right? And that's tough, 
right? Because when you look at the initiative, you're looking at a checkbox, right? You asked me to implement AB19, AB2 for College Promise, checkbox, I have a College Promise program, done. Let's move to the next thing. But how does that College Promise program impact the work that you do on the AB705, right? So those are things you have to, you have to connect the pieces, yeah. right? And then also how you connect it to the funding formula. Right. So with the funding formula, you have to connect those momentum points of your students to how you're going to get funded for their completion. Right. So you have a student who's uh, need nine units to complete a CTE. So now you start looking at your CTE program and say, OK, well, how many where students are at and why some of our students are not completing nine units? The response would be, you know what? A lot of students in career technical education, when they get to eight, they are able to get a job. Right. So then what do we do to engage those students to come back to take the higher level courses in the evening while they work during the day? Right. Because we're talking about the student experience. We have too many students who are in California community colleges who are not completing their degree in a timely manner. Yeah. But you have to look at the experience. Right. Not look at the initiatives. You want to fold the initiatives into your the, the student experience and you want to map that through the completion by design model. I'm sold. Let's do it. <laughs> so that's what we're doing on our campus, right? So our campus has been, last year we adopted the completion by design. So we call it the Tartar Completion by Design. It's included in our updated uh, Compton 2024 uh, educational comprehensive master plan that includes facilities and also um, educational plan. And so that was approved by the board uh, at the last board meeting in June. So I'm really excited about that because that is, to me, that's our blueprint to move forward. And we call it Compton 2024 because we want to be one of the leading institutions in the country by 2024 and be an Aspen winner. And so by the the plan, our, our, our job is to execute that plan. Right. But it goes back to, that's what we've been struggling with and not looking at a, the initiatives as a check mark, but looking at how you transform your college and organize your college in order to meet the needs of students through their experience. Yeah, that's that's it's brilliant. It's fantastic. Hopefully it works, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it, but if it doesn't work, don't be afraid to say, you know what, it didn't work. Let's figure out another way to do this. Yeah. But my gut tells me, based off of the research from the Gates Foundation, regards to completion by design, that that it is going to work, right? And and now it's just time to execute it. And don't get too caught up in these these other initiatives that are coming down, right? And I look at the initiatives that are coming through Sacramento and also coming through from the Academic Senate, and they're not bad. The question is, how do you organize them within what you're already doing, right? And the key for us is looking at the connection, right? So if you have the College Promise program for your students, you also want to make sure you connect students in the high schools with your programs. And that connects you to AB288, Right. So AB 288 is about dual enrollment. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you effectively offer dual enrollment at your high schools? So what one of these that we're doing is that we're offering nine through 12 dual enrollment, but it has to be a part of a pathway. Right. So then as part of a pathway, then you're not having standalone courses at the high schools. Because what happens is you have these standalone courses. We're just trying to increase enrollment, which is fine for your students. But you want to see your students who are doing dual enrollment complete that pathway or come close to it. Yeah. So the goal's in sight, even if they're not completed, it's, Hey, it's only one more class. It's only two more classes. You're almost there. And you come to come to college, be a part of the promise program and go to college with your fees are waived and you receive support for your books. You can do that for one year, then transfer to a four year college or university and be there for two years. That means you go to college just for three years. You save one year for, for, for you save one year yeah. financially. That's just, that's significant. Yeah. yeah. But you have to think that way about the student experience and, and don't change up. You know, it's like there's all these initiatives. 
you, you fold these initiatives into what you're trying to do at your, at, at your institution, at your institution. And then when you stay focused like that, uh, you know, you can get everybody on board towards the same goal, looking in the same direction. But do you, how do you find it building that knowledge on campus and building that, um, that, that focus, like we are all focused on this goal. This is where we're going. You just have to keep talking about it, right? Keep talking about it over and over and over again and just keep talking and keep having conversations and never change your points, your talking points. Just keep talking about it and everything you do, you want to make sure it connects to that. So for example, we have a, a, a college futures uh, foundation uh, grant proposal. So we have, uh, we received $131,000 to work on a, a larger grant uh, around Compton 2024. So all of our objectives they want to meet by 2024 are included in the planning proposal and will also be included in the grant. So that means your goals are all aligned. And so many um, organizations or institutions will chase funding that dilutes their goals. And then they go and then they go away from those goals. And then by going away from those goals, you're focused on that to make sure you keep the money. Yeah. So if someone wants to give us money, you give us money that's going to support Compton 2024 and our goals. If it's not, then we don't, we're not going to take your money. Yeah. <laughs> because what happens is you start to move away from what's your intended outcome. Our goal is about completion right now. And we have to be focused on completion. Student completion, that's number one. Our student completion rate is at 35% over a six-year period. That's unacceptable. Especially at an institution that's 6% of Latinx, 25% are African-American. We have to do better. So that actually brings me to this other question. And it was the first thing that kind of got me thinking about reaching out to some of my colleagues to learn from them. Um, and that is when we have these organizations, these institutions, we, we want to keep on target, on goal, uh, on message. Um, and in the business world, they might call it branding sometimes, but like, you know, the Compton approach to doing things, the Compton goals, but we we're mission driven. And so when we hire these amazing folks to do this work, a lot of them really value autonomy. They, they kind of, they don't want to be uh, necessarily in line with everything. They want to be, have enough freedom to do the job that we hired them to do. And sometimes there could be a contradiction there. Hopefully there isn't, but there could be. So how do you, how do you find that Goldilocks zone between giving really great employees that, that kind of autonomy, letting them do their thing, but also being a unified, unified goals, unified mission, unified approach. I think most leaders struggle with that, right? Because the, especially as community presidents, the accountability that's on us right now is so high. And so you have to be more engaged with what's going on on your campus in all areas. And so let me give you an example of this, right? Of what some of the things that college president, the key, the, the community college system structure that was built over a hundred years ago in California was not built for students of color. Right. So what we have been doing in community colleges for the last 20, 30, 40 years is figuring out new ways to address the changes in our demographics. Right. Instead of saying, you know what, the structure that was built was not built for students of color. And we're going to change the structure at our community college campuses. So the structure was not built for students of color. And so what we've been doing is we've been looking at 
change a new initiatives to address those students' needs. Instead of saying, you know what, let's blow this thing up and let's restructure our institutions to meet those students' needs. So at my campus, Compton College, we're we're all in with the completion by design. Where that means the old structure that we had, where you looked at the siloed academic affairs, student services, administrative services, HR, it's not siloed, right? And it's important for me that that's why I have to be involved to ensure that there's no silos being created. Because things that are happening in HR affect all the areas. Things that are happening in business services affects all the areas. Things that are happening in academic affairs and student services affects all the areas. So how do you break down those silos? And uh, the way the funding is set up now, we're forced to break down those silos. And that's how you're able to, from my perspective, change community colleges and focus on this, the new demographics. And that to me is critical. Because the structure that was built was not built for our students we have now. And all we've been doing is trying to create new initiatives to meet those students' needs and say, say, you know what? The current structure we have don't work. Let's fix it. And that's why AB 705 is going to be, it's going to work, help us a lot. Because we're looking at students who are not going to be in those lower level math and English courses. And we have to figure out ways to provide them more support to ensure that they're successful. And how do you have those types of conversations? And how does that link to what you're doing with your college promise program? Because that means your college promise students, when they come on your campus, they're taking transfer level English and math that first year. Then what type of supports are you providing for them? What type of supports are you providing for students who are in dual enrollment at the local high schools who are taking transfer level courses? Most colleges are not providing that academic support for those students. So how do you provide those support for those students? Because those are college classes, right? Again, the structure was not built for the students that we have now. So now we have to do different ways to be able to provide those support that are ongoing and not short term. So I want to blow up the system. All right. Let's do it. I'm on board. <laughs> I got, I've got two basic more questions that I'm going to, I'm going to ask uh, in the time that we got. Um, the first is uh, if I've learned anything through this, this journey here, it's that effective leaders, successful leaders are always learning. They keep learning. And so I'm wondering if there's if there's a a book that you're into right now, maybe something you're recommending to folks, if there's a podcast, if there's something that you're learning right now that you're like, oh yeah, this is this is what I need. I wouldn't say something I'm learning right now, but I think what I've been I've been so focused on with completion by design, guided pathways, that but you know what really changed me the last two or two years maybe it been two or three was the paying the price book by Sarah Goldberg Rabb at uh, Temple University and so it's about housing food insecurity and so I've been so locked in on this issue because our students on our campus are dealing with that and so you, you can't expect a student who doesn't have food doesn't have a place to live to pass your transfer level math class right if you don't provide them with support and that's why if you look at our confident 2024 plan we look at building residential housing Right. That's why we have the food pantry. But we're also working with the county where we're able to offer the uh, Cal Fresh program on our campus through our restaurant. We're also going to be doing more cafeteria. Sorry. We're also going to be doing uh, Cal Fresh signups on our campus. We're looking at new initiatives with L.A. County to be able to work with those students who are in need. But really starting to look at housing, food insecurity to help deal with to help support our students. Because we look at our student population and poverty within our community. 
it's it's out there, right? But as educators, we can't be so focused on our students need to pass transfer level math. No, there's a reason why some are not passing. You provide a whole lot of support, but they're not food. They're not going to pass. If you're hungry, you're, you're, you're trying to figure out how you'll get that next meal. You're not thinking about what's going to be on that next test. So if we want to break down some of these barriers, then if the barriers, some of the work that we're doing is outside of education. And that's going to be that's going to be a challenge for some people. Well, in my education 101 class right here, we talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. You got to feed people. They got to know that they're going to have a place to sleep at night before they can open their brain to learning higher order thinking skills and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to open their brain to it, but also to you got to show that you care. Right. They have seen so many people who don't care about them, who give them, uh, who say they're going to do something for them and never do it. And so when you provide that support, you got to make sure that you got to know that's ongoing. So like our food pantry, I, one of my things is always making sure that that thing is fully stocked because one day that is not stocked, that a student needs food, they're going to say, what's going on here? I needed you and you weren't there for me. So I'm always on my staff to make sure that we have that, that food pantry fully stocked. That's great. That's great. Um, I have a couple of rapid fire questions. Go for it. Don't think too much about it. Coffee or tea? Neither. What do you drink in the morning? I drink water. I don't I don't drink coffee nor tea. Okay, I'm going to take a segue from the rapid fire. You you have also had a a fitness journey. Yeah, I lost 125 pounds. Uh, in how much time? Uh, like nine months. But I gained 15 back because I started lifting weights and I like lifting weights. Yeah. So, but it's fine. But I like to work out. How does how does that uh, support or detract from your work here at Compton? It doesn't. It just gives me something else to do. I like Spartan races. So that gives me my little break and my gym for my two hours are the best hours in the world. If I don't work out, uh, well, I, I follow you on Facebook. And so I, I get motivated when I see your Spartan races yeah. and things like that. But, but and, and also it's the food too, right? So I make sure I watch my food intake and I have a I have a have someone who makes my uh, my healthy lunch. So I'm just trying to just be better at it because I don't, I don't want to have a heart attack doing this job, right? Yeah. I see a lot of people who don't take care of themselves and they sacrifice them, their livelihood for their institution, which I love my institution, but at the same time, I gotta love my. I have a lot of people that depend on me outside this institution, so I want to get better at that. Yeah. But I don't drink coffee nor tea, right? And, and uh, most people laugh at me on that one. No, it's it's great. It's admirable. I am. Um, I if I don't go to the gym a couple times a week, I just turn into a stress monkey. So yeah. I need it for my job. <laughs> um, back to rapid fire: Beatles or Rolling Stones? Uh, neither. I like rap music. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a huge uh, rap music fan from the 90s. So it's kind of you, you can't get me off of that station. Excellent. Who who you listen to now? Uh, it all depends on the on the mood. But uh, earlier this week, I was listening to Tupac. And then I, I listened to DJ Quick this morning because I, I was you know, for some reason I had this Compton feeling today. So I wanted to hear DJ Quick. So I listened to DJ Quick on the way to work. Ever I hear Kendrick Lamar or do yeah, no, sightings I, I of actually, him I, in I actually I like I like Kendrick Lamar. I I, I I like him a lot. I think his I think his his delivery is really good. And I, I think he cares about his community as well. So I, I listen to Kendrick Lamar. I listen to any rapper that comes out of Compton. Let's say it that yeah, way. Yeah. I even listen to YG. So I, I listen. No, I listen to any rapper from Compton because it's a, it's a way for me to support them as individuals from my community. Then they could be younger than I am, and it's fine. But I I think it's just for them making it and and them being role models for the next generation. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We talk about that a lot in class too. 
Um, favorite flavor of ice cream? You know, I used to like that um, that sherbet one, though, the one that had the different colors and all that. Rainbow. Rainbow sherbet. Yeah. But then I now, you know, whenever I do the ice cream, I like the butter pecan. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that kind of got me thinking different. And then what is the best $100 or less that you've ever spent? Oh, Spartan Race. My first Spartan Race, I, I spent $100 or $115 in Sacramento. And I flew up there for my first Spartan Race uh, last fall. And I've now done 10 races since that. And so uh, that introduced me to a whole nother level of, of, of really pushing yourself. And so I've done a beast, which is 13 miles in Big Bear, which was hard. I've done a couple of super races. I did I did a race in um, San Jose, Monterey, uh, Las Vegas, um, just trying to, you know, just get better at it. And so I have a lot more scheduled for the rest of the year. But it was the best money spent because I, it, it gave me another opportunity to push myself. I push myself academically. I push myself at the gym. But to be out running and doing obstacles was I lost 125 pounds right now. Now I'm trying to be a fit person climbing walls. Right. And now I'm doing back to backs. I do a super or I do a sprint the next day. So now I'm pushing myself to do more. That's fantastic. Yeah. Money well spent. Money well spent. Excellent. Excellent. Well, is there any other anything? What else is you my guilty share? pleasure? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We could do that one. Uh, I, it's, 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 it's some really good Mexican food is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> right? You got you got to uh, you got to figure you got to figure that one out. Uh, but it is Mexican food is my guilty pleasure. Um, one thing I would tell you uh, as you talk about leadership, and I know we're about to end in a couple of minutes, is is that leaders right now in California Community College, there's there's a lack of leaders, right? And I think it's very important that the current leaders mentor the rising stars and the individual who want this job. And uh, I spent a lot of time mentoring and talking to people about my experience because I'm hopeful that we can have more leaders who think like us and who understand that we're in this job and in this position to help the students from our community and really push that agenda to help these students. These students at California Community Colleges deserve better. They deserve, especially at my campus, there's no way our students, 35% of our students should be completing within six years. We have to increase that number, right? Because our students deserve better. We want to see our students complete and come back in our community as faculty members, as individuals who are voting in the elections. We want to see them being contributing to this community. And we have to look at it differently. And we have to, right now is the time for change. And Compton 2024 is is the campaign that I'm pushing because we are going to be the best community college in the state of California. We will win an Aspen Award as one of the outstanding community colleges. And people say, how you know you're going to win it? I say, most people think we're going to be accredited. We did that. Most people think we'll hold the first graduation of Compton College. We did that. Most people didn't think that we will separate from El Camino Community College District. We did that. Most people didn't think that we could build new facilities on our campus. We did that. Most people didn't think we'd pass a bond for $100 million when we were not accredited. We did that in 2014 with a 78.39% approval rating, the highest approval rating of any community college bond in the state of California history that was placed on the ballot. So don't doubt what, what we can't, what we can't, what we want to do. Because everything that you doubt that we couldn't do, we did. So now give us the Aspen Award and give us a check for $1 million. They just write the check now because we're going to win. So either you're going to be with us or we're going to have to prove it to you by 2024. But we're going to do it. And that's around the corner. That's around the corner. All right. And we have a plan already. 
Yeah, let's get it. Let's get it. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. The biggest takeaway I had from our conversation was the power of a single focus. Don't let other initiatives or money or mandates let you lose that focus. That and claim your prize. Go get it. The book Dr. Curry recommended, Paying the Price, and links to some of the organizations and frameworks he mentions are all in the show notes. And there's a pretty good playlist, too. You can also check out the transcripts at castropod.com. <laughs>